It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards. First, we recap the Wizards-Lakers game on Monday before getting into what the birthday boy, Troy Brown Jr., had to say about the loss. Hear Jerome Robinson's message to anyone doubting the Wizards in the NBA restart before we get into the postseason awards across the league and discuss which players have earned a spot on an all-NBA team. All that and more in today's edition of Locked On Wizards. The Lakers were without LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Dwight Howard in their win over the Wizards Monday, 123-116. to Both teams started the game off very strong offensively, shooting over 50% from the field, 65% from the three, and combining for 73 points. But unfortunately for the Wizards, it was a very sloppy start with seven turnovers and 11 fouls. And at the end of the game, Coach Brooks and the players all saying how disappointed they were and how they came out so flat. The last two scrimmages, we saw progress from the Nuggets game into the Clippers game, and we're expecting and hoping to see that same progression into the third and final scrimmage. But unfortunately, the Wizards came out a little flat and were disappointed that they did not progress tonight. The craziest part about all of this it was actually the best offensive game for the team. They shot over 53% from the field throughout the first three quarters specifically. But the biggest thing that we always talk about on this show is that they can't have it be one or the other. Before, the struggle was offensive, and they were doing well defensively, playing scrappy, minimizing turnovers, adjusting with the amount of fouls they got from one game to the next. But for this game specifically, the offensive side was strong, but then we saw them drop off in their fouls and their defensive effort as a whole. And one of the positives from this especially looking at who's going to be the player to step up for the Wizards, Rui Hachimura. Throughout the three games, we saw him notch 18 points against the Nuggets, 15 against the Clippers, and 19 against the Lakers, shooting 7 for 13 from the field. He has emerged as the frontrunner and leading offensive threat for the team. Rui did say he feels great. The red eye that we've been seeing him playing with is not affecting him. And for Coach Brooks on Rui, he mentioned that Rui is challenging himself to be okay being uncomfortable including in his drives to the basket, attacking the rim, and that he's very consistent at a young age, which is very rare. Now, for Rui Hachimura, that has been something that has been discussed around his aggression on the floor, and he's actually mentioned that he's trying to be more aggressive in all aspects of the game, not just on the offensive side. In all aspects of the game, he, has feel, he does feel as though he has bulked up in the course of the four-and-a-half-month break and is also trying to be more physical, be a leader, be more aggressive getting to the basket, and overall just continue to play with that confidence and dominance to lead the Wizards. Now, the encouraging thing to hear is after practice Tuesday, head coach Scott Brooks said that they responded very well Tuesday morning at practice. They came back, they played harder, to be better. Sometimes when you when you lose and you got a, a team, sometimes the next day you don't know what you're going to get. But I knew with the team that we have, we'd come out with some – we'd come out with the juice and – we had, a, we had a good vibe today. The spirit was great. Um, maybe it was because it was Troy's Brown 21st birthday. So, But other than that, I think, I, I mean, overall, it was a great practice. Everybody everybody locked in, and, and it wasn't a long practice, and it wasn't particularly a hard practice, but we got some work done going into the next two days of practice before our first game Friday. The hardest part is that 
you hate to have an off day. And that's what Coach Brooks was saying. They want to make sure that the team as a whole is continuing to prepare to compete every night so that each game they can get better. There's no room for error, as we've talked about, with only eight games in the NBA restart. There's no room for error for the Wizards. So they have to make sure that they bring the level needed each and every day. And against the Lakers, the Wizards as a whole felt like they didn't play with a lot of passion, commitment to outwork opponents. And as Scott Brooks said, they did not compete versus the Lakers, but actually allowed them to come in, make plays, knock down shots, and walk away with the win. So three exhibition games for the Wizards, a lot to take away from it. We saw them shoot under 30% from the three in all three games. They're still struggling to find that knockdown three-point shooter. Jerome Robinson has been someone that has been stepping up from the perimeter for them to provide that. We'll talk more about him later on in this episode around what he's bringing to the floor, and they have to get better looks. And something that Coach Brooks was mentioning is that players like Bradley Beal and DB are able to knock down shots under pressure, off balance, off the dribble, whereas these players may need more time and space to be able to get their, their feet set to shoot. So it is a matter of adjusting offensively to understand that they're not the same perimeter threats as DB and Beal. They need more time. They need more space. So they have to figure out how to improve their ball movement, making those quick decisions, and find the open threes quicker to get guys in position to be able to shoot. The biggest takeaways from the game, and all three games, I should say, is that all teams are, are adjusting to this unique environment. You know, coming in, it is very different without fans. It is very different with everyone being in the bubble and nobody being a, a true home or away team. Everyone living there and able to get together on and off the floor more instead of going their separate ways after a game like they may normally do. And also for the Wizards, just coming in with an open mind and really challenging each other to be better and to see how they have progressed throughout the, the course of the first few weeks, aside from the hiccup versus the Lakers, but to at least respond back, very positive news there. Now for the birthday boy who just turned 21 on Tuesday, Troy Brown Jr., he mentioned after the game on Monday that the intensity wasn't high and he actually took a lot of responsibility on himself for not bringing that level. His role on and off the court is to be more vocal and consistently talk. He is someone that we've seen throughout the course of the two games he played in that has been a bright spot offensively and honestly on both ends of the floor for the Wizards to step up as a leader. So Troy Brown Jr., the birthday boy, is taking that on himself and that ownership to be consistent and bring that level to make sure that he's motivating the players around him and even spoke about his pregame routine. I know that's something that has been a discussion across all teams, how does this all affect your pregame routine when you don't always have access to the gym for shoot-around, when you have to, you know, naps and, and pregame meals, and so many things are just different in the NBA restart in the bubble. So for Troy Brown Jr., he mentioned that the hardest thing is the fact that game times vary. I didn't even think about that. Game times are so different. You have an early game versus the Nuggets. You have a late game versus the Clippers. You have an early afternoon game versus the Lakers. And the quick turnaround is, is usual for these players. They expect that they're used to that. But it's different when you are now in the bubble trying to deal with these routines that you may normally have. If you're home, you have a different routine. If you're away, you have a different routine. But now you're in the bubble and everything is just completely different. So for Troy Brown Jr., he mentioned that, you know, coming in, for the team as a whole, they knew what they, were, what they were expected to do. They have to be prepared and they have to be focused to make sure they're coming out playing hard each and every game. As we keep talking about, this is it. Eight games, this is their chance to force a play-in game, try to make a run for the postseason. There's no room for error. For Rui Hachimura specifically, he also was mentioning that they didn't have a good game and that they let the Lakers do what they wanted. You can't allow that when you're the team that's the underdog in every single matchup. 
you have to make sure you put pressure on teams and don't allow them to dictate and set the tone and run their offense the way they want. We saw in the first two games, the Wizards did a great job of just being scrappy, hustling, breaking up the Clippers and Nuggets offensive plays at times. They're going to have to bring that level every single game. Murray Hachimura mentioned that the other two games, they played really hard, they had good energy, and they have to play like that every game. And that's exactly the biggest difference. The energy was not there. The shooting, of course, was improved, go figure. But the energy as a whole was not what the Wizards needed and the level that they have been able to bring. We'll see how they continue to progress as they prepare for this week's game on Friday night versus the Suns. So coming up in the next segment, we have to get into what's next for the Wizards, talking through how they're preparing for Friday and also talking through some players owning up to their role and finding a way to impact the game. And we'll get into that and much more coming up in the next segment on Locked On Wizards. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So moving forward for the rest of the week, the Wizards do have a light schedule, as Coach Brooks discussed. They had an early morning practice on Tuesday. They'll be practicing around 10 a.m. Wednesday and Thursday. A lot of guys that played heavy minutes on Monday had a lighter session Tuesday. The ones that did not play as much had a heavier cardio and conditioning session to get their legs going after not playing as much Monday, and then they'll just prepare for Friday business as usual. This is, this is the time to see everything come together. We've been seeing how players have been adjusting in the three scrimmages to their roles, how they've been translating from practice into games against other opponents, and hopefully the, for the Wizards, they've had the, most, they've had the opportunity to make the most of these three games to be prepared moving into Friday versus the Suns. So some things that I definitely take away, and I'm curious to know what you guys think, that the Wizards need to refine. Their shooting and scoring has to be better. You just cannot go into games, especially at this point in the season, and not have the ability to, to consistently knock down shots. Their defense has to be better at being patient, not fouling, playing smart, and then also their rotations defensively have to be stronger. One to switch, one to stay, understanding the rotations on the defensive side. And then again, did I say this already? The shooting and scoring? Okay, the shooting and scoring has to be better. I know I said that again, but I cannot reiterate that enough. I actually have been impressed on the defensive side, aside from the game versus the Lakers. In the first two games, I was impressed with how the Wizards came out defensively. I think this young team can bring kind of that younger brother disrupting your older brother mentality of an underdog, where they just come in and annoy the heck out of opponents, finding ways to just make ugly plays work in their favor. We saw them with a, a forced turnover against the Lakers that led to a Thomas Bryant dunk. 
or excuse me, a finish. He went in for the dunk, but it just didn't just went into the layup instead. That was really just a broken play. They hustled. They saved the loose ball. The ball comes back in play. Thomas Bryant ends up with the finish. And it was an ugly play, but it worked out. And I think the Wizards have to be okay with playing ugly at times on, on the defensive end and just playing scrappy, getting on the floor for loose balls, competing, playing aggressive, playing physical, not letting the other team set the tone and, and run their plays with ease, especially in their half-court offenses, and then making sure they're quickly transitioning on defense to not get caught flat. Offensively, <laughs> the scoring. If you're doing a great job defensively, and you're locking down opponents like you should. It's no longer a shootout. Now, on the other end, though, it can't be a one-shot possession. You cannot come down, get a shot, and miss, and not be able to be a threat. And when you're not scoring, the Wizards have to find a way to get to the basket. So we've been seeing Troy Brown Jr. does a great job of that. Rui Hachimura does a great job of that. Thomas Bryant, Isak Bunga, Jerome Robinson's working on his perimeter game. We've got to get more consistency for these players to be able to be a threat and be confident knocking down shots. So as they talked about, and as we spoke about in the last segment, one thing that the Wizards are focusing on is finding a way to rotate the ball quicker around the perimeter to be able to get players better looks and more open looks. Mo Wagner actually talked about that. He said that in the last four months, it's been so tough not playing basketball that the first thing is the Wizards are just appreciative to be back on the floor. You know, they're just happy to be playing basketball when there was a time we did not know if the NBA was going to come back but also that they are taking a lot of threes and the spacing isn't the issue. It's the fact that they just haven't been scoring. They're all good players and confident. Wagner's not worried about if they can score. He just knows that having had four and a half months off, it's going to take them some time to get back into a rhythm. Unfortunately for the Wizards, time is not on their side with only eight games. They need to be sharp each and every game. But as we've talked about before, big picture, the Wizards are actually also preparing for the future more than just these eight games. So Wagner was saying that this is just a valuable experience and they have to take advantage of it. And as we've been hearing news around other leagues, specifically around the MLB, with their outbreak of positive cases, a lot of these players and coaches have been getting asked their thoughts on it, as well as their thoughts on how the NBA and Adam Silver in the league has been returning and, and all the protocols around the NBA bubble. And something that actually was brought up was just the appreciation for the NBA. Wagner was saying he appreciates the league, the safe environment, the safe games and that these players have a chance to play without having to worry about COVID-19 affecting them. It is very encouraging from an NBA standpoint to see as we're progressing past the preseason period of the NBA restart, preparing for the start of these games, how the league has been able to successfully, knock on wood, so far return back in these first few weeks, and hopefully some other leagues can pick up on what the NBA is doing. Bubbles are not practical for everyone. And I know I've had this conversation around the NFL, even baseball, and definitely college sports. It's not practical to just put every sport into a bubble or every league or every, you know, for college. How do you put college football into a bubble? It's just, it's not practical for the financial side. Where do you do it? How do you do it? So there's a lot of factors that go into play, but hopefully other leagues are able to successfully get back and finish out their leagues. And so the other thing that we have to get into I know we've been talking a lot about Hachimura, Bonga, Bryant, and Brown. The four players that, in my opinion, have shown consistently they're going to be an intricate part of this Wizards team in the starting five and also helping to, to lead this team. Two other players that actually have been very impressive and consistent, Ish Smith and Jerome Robinson. Now, for both of them, we've seen them in roles coming off the bench, starting, finishing out quarters, and regardless what their role is, they've actually been doing a good job of consistently stepping up to the plate. 
And for Ish Smith, he scored 12 points. He was six for eight from the field. He had six assists in the game versus the Lakers. The Wizards need someone to step up and score. Both of these players have the potential to do it. And Coach spoke on Ish Smith's role off the bench and what he brings to the team. I think I just think it just creates um, advantage for us when he's he's, he's facing uh, his speed, facing second team, second units. I think it's pretty it's pretty intimidating, and it's a lot of a lot of tough decisions that the coaching staffs have to make. With Ish coming into the game, he he changes the whole complexion of the game with his speed and his ability to touch the paint on his uh, dribble penetration. Uh, but and, and is also just his overall speed, bringing the ball up the court, getting us into our offense. I, I like him with that that second unit. Doesn't mean that they, he can't play with guys on the first unit, which he will. There's going to be times where he's probably, and a lot of times, he's going to probably finish up the game with the with the starting unit. Ish Smith was one of seven players. Yes, seven players to finish in double figures for the Wizards. Again, offensively, it was a very solid game for the Wizards. It's a shame that they did play so flat on the defensive side and have so many turnovers offensively. But we did see some strides in in players that had bright moments. Another player that was actually the second highest leading scorer on the game, Jerome Robinson. He has been consistently a player that we've been seeing as one of the highest field goal attempts from all three scrimmages as one of the leading scorers in all three scrimmages. He finished with 18 points in 27 minutes and went six from 19 from the field and three of 11 from the three. Now he is someone that is consistently shooting and one of the biggest perimeter threats. Of course, right now he's not making all those shots. And I know we keep having these conversations around how the wizards need to score, need to score, need to score. I'm sure Jerome Robinson is sick and tired of hearing it. And as he even said after practice, shoot or shoot, and he's just got to keep moving forward. He is looking to play more aggressive. We see him shooting more, which is a good start. The shots will start to fall. If anyone knows, shoot or shoot. Now, for Coach Brooks, he did say he wants him to continue to fight through it, learn from it, and get better from it. And I think that's what we will start to see. He took 11 mid-range shots throughout the game, most of them off the dribble. So a big part of, of Robinson's next step to hopefully refine his shooting is to find that balance, this, the balance of shots off the dribble, shots where his feet are set. Um, but he also is just a really good playmaker for the Wizards in what he brings. His aggressive mentality offensively does help to push the offense. And he's still young. It's going to take him some time to find that rhythm. Jerome Robinson is going to get there, and he's going to be someone, him, Ish Smith specifically, that can be a threat from the perimeter regardless whether they're coming off the bench or starting to help the Wizards. But I do have to get into what Jerome Robinson said after practice on Tuesday. He had a message to anyone that is doubting the Wizards. Everybody has written off. Okay, not everybody. A lot of people have written off the Wizards right now. A lot of people have even said, and I know they said it to me because I cover the Wizards. What is the point? Why are they in Orlando? Once Beal and DB announced that they were opting out of the restart, there was even more questions around why, they, why the Wizards are going to Orlando. I mean, at the end of the day, as they've said, this is an opportunity that they're going to take advantage of to play basketball, especially given the fact that there was a time they did not think they'd be finishing out the 2019-2020 season. Well, here they are with a chance to play. Not every team was invited into the NBA restart, so for that reason alone, it's an opportunity and it's a, an accomplishment to even be included and be there. So yes, the Wizards are, are going to be a part of the NBA restart as underdog, going into it with nothing to lose. And Jerome Robinson, short and sweet, and I like it. When asked what his thoughts are or his messages to people that think the Wizards without DB and Beal 
can't make the playoffs. He said, and I quote, that's their problem, not ours. <laughs> that's their problem, not ours. That's the mantra of this team as a whole. They're just so focused. And I'm sure they're so tired of hearing the nonstop questions. I honestly, even being in these press conferences and being in the interviews, get tired of, of hearing people saying the same thing. But without DB, without Beal, without Wall, what are you going to do? I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to play basketball. They have no choice. They're down there to play basketball. The Wizards know who's not there, and they've said that. They're aware of the fact that those three are not in Orlando, but they're also aware of the fact they are in Orlando, and they're going to just come out and play the best they can. We've seen them in three scrimmages now. I honestly think that this team is, has the potential to go and at least be competitive for eight games, regardless if they make the playoffs or not. I don't see them going into these games and just getting blown out of the water and getting mopped up and down the floor. I think from what I've seen so far, they are hungry, ambitious young players that are living up to the fact that no one is counting on them to do anything. And when you have underdogs with, the, with just the no pressure mindset of, you know, if they go down there and do get blown out, they will just be achieving what a lot of people already think they're going to do anyways. But if they go down there and make some noise and can compete and upset some teams, force a playing game, get a playoff spot. That is a bright turning point for this franchise as a whole and definitely a small victory. So I like that line. That's their problem, not ours. So Robinson, Ish Smith, even Shabazz Napier with 16 points of the night. We've seen him. He's been a veteran leader for this team. He's been consistent in his role as a guard, setting up the offense, and just a balanced player. And I say that in the sense of he fills in wherever needed offensively and defensively and he just brings that leadership to the floor that they need so for the Wizards that's three scrimmages three losses unfortunately but three scrimmages where we've seen them against the top teams in the league and able to learn grow and progress from it so it's definitely encouraging to see how they responded in Tuesday's practice so up next we've got to get into the postseason awards and we have to get into not only which Wizards players should be on these postseason teams and receiving recognition for their work throughout the regular season. But as a whole, we've got to get into actually the Locked On Podcast Network's votes for postseason awards. Stay tuned as that's coming up in the next segment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is an odd time to discuss all NBA teams, especially since we haven't seen games played in four and a half months, official games, that is, since the regular season was paused. But the NBA has announced they will still be going through the regular season leading up until the pause to really figure out who's going to be on the all NBA teams, who's going to be the MVP, defensive player of the year, sixth man of the year, and the all rookie team, all NBA team. So, of course, there are some Wizards players that are in the conversation, starting with Bradley Beal, averaging 30.5 points a game, 6.1 assists. He was second in the league for scoring and the leading scorer in the league since January. He also finished with the second highest single season average in franchise history. So 
Is Bradley Beal an all-NBA player? There are three teams, first, second, and third. Fifteen players get recognized for the all-NBA teams. And for ESPN's Zach Lowe, he did not think that Bradley Beal deserved a spot on any of those teams. He said that Bradley Beal, much like Trey Young, are talented players on struggling teams. And he actually said that the Wizards were, quote, never playing for anything. And everyone involved understood that from day one. And that knowledge can't help but affect everyone's play. So he feels as though Bradley Beal was affected by that. Knowing that this team was going to struggle this season, it affected the way he played, especially on the defensive side, so that Beal and, in his opinion, Trey Young, do not deserve to be on an all-NBA team. And I know this question always comes up. It even came up around the all-star break. Players like Bradley Beal, Trey Young, that are on a team that is struggling at the bottom of the league, not winning games, but still top scorers in the league, do they deserve to be recognized for awards like the all-star team or, in this case, the all-NBA team? We saw Trey Young get an all-star spot and not only get on the team but be a starter. Bradley Beal was not. And here we are again around the postseason awards, and we don't know exactly where Bradley Beal will land, but his name is on the border right now, as of if he's going to be on a team or not. And Scott Brooks had this to say on Beal and the postseason awards. I mean, we all know how myself, our organization, our fans, everybody feels about Brad. He's an all-NBA player. Uh, We'll see. You know, I don't – I can't guarantee it, but I know how he plays, how he – how he leads, how he uh, practices, how he continues to get better. It would be a great honor. He had, he had just a terrific year, 20, 30 points a game, six assists, uh, rebounds, you know, four or five rebounds a game with his leadership, his ability to make plays for his team. Uh, that would be a great honor if he did get that. Uh, Rui, uh, I mean, there's not too many rookies that had as consistent of a year as he had. He's, he's probably the – top five rookie in his class. Uh, he had such a great year, even though he missed a couple of, uh, about a month or so, maybe two months of some, an injury, but he played well. Uh, and he's playing well now. He started off in our first scrimmage, just kind of where he let, left off uh, back in March 11th. And then DB, yeah, he's he's as good as any six-man in the league. He's, uh, he's more than just a shooter. He's a good all-around basketball player. His competitive spirit is always at a high level. Um, that would be pretty cool if he, you know, has the opportunity. I think he does. He's right there with a few other guys that can end up being six men of the year. So now let's take a look at the all-rookie team. Rui Hachimura, another one. Where do you think he lands on the all-rookie teams? First team, second team, you know, across outlets, I've been seeing Rui's spot fluctuating, but primarily being put on the second team. With Zion Williamson coming back, he got the chance to play 19 games before the NBA paused, and that drastically dropped a player like Rui down to the second team. You have to wonder if Zion Williamson did not come back at all this season, who would have filled that fifth spot on the first team? Would it have been Rui? So the question around Rui Hachimura it seems as though right now is not if he's going to be on an all-rookie team, but a matter if he's, if he's on the first or second team. But sixth man of the year. Davis Bertans is in the running. And it sounds like Mikel Bridges is going to be a front runner. Dennis Schroeder of OKC is going to be close behind. But DB is a, a strong candidate for sixth man of the year. It still comes down to that same question of what do you measure it on? Is it just on the individual success or is it on the individual success and the team? 
And for the Locked On Podcast Network, we actually had our own postseason awards. I will proudly say, and I have no problem admitting, that I was one of the only hosts across the podcast network, all of the hosts, I should say. I was only one of a few, and I won't give you the exact number, that voted LeBron James as the MVP. And I have no problem saying that. I can proudly admit that I voted LeBron James MVP, yes, over Giannis, yes, over Giannis, yes, over Giannis. And I will debate that. I have no problem arguing with that with anyone interested. Come at me. No, don't, don't come at me. But I have definitely defended LeBron James in many deb- debates beyond just NBA MVP, but GOAT debates. And I will always debate that with anyone who is interested. I will proudly debate that. So yes, I was one of the only people and I felt like I had to make that known because as I was looking down the list and realized everyone voted for the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo except for me and one or so others, I I felt like that was kind of a small victory. Like I don't mind being a little different, especially in this case. Who knows? I I probably am wrong and I could definitely see Giannis being MVP, but I could absolutely see LeBron James at his age, the stats he has brought across the league and leading the Lakers to being a top team in the league as the MVP. Yep, I said it here on the Locked On Wizards podcast. (laughs) But I also think it will be very interesting to see how the NBA finishes out with the voting for the all-NBA recognition and postseason awards. This is how we voted in the Locked On Podcast Network. Giannis was named the MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, Mikel Bridges, Sixth Man of the Year, John Morant, Rookie of the Year. And John Morant, without a doubt, is definitely the Rookie of the Year. If he is not voted unanimously as Rookie of the Year, there is a problem, a serious problem. There is nobody else that comes close. Zion Williamson would have been a a huge contender, obviously, had he played all season. But once he was injured and missed the majority of the regular season, you can't take that away from John Murray. He earned that outright. So the sixth man of the year seems like it's still somewhat up in the air. And uh, of course, I don't mind debating MVP, but defensive player of the year, definitely got to be Giannis. We'll see how this all shakes out with the NBA postseason awards. They will be finalizing the votes and, and calculating them over the course of the, the next week. So we'll stay tuned and see how that unfolds. Coming up on Locked on Wizards next time as we prepare for the first official game of the NBA restart versus the Phoenix Suns on Friday, we're going to get into birthday boy Troy Brown Jr. a little bit more what he's been hearing from teammate John Wall and his vlog, Ballin' in the Bubble. We also have to discuss how the team is preparing and looking for their game on Friday and much more to get into as we are counting down the days anxiously, eagerly, excitedly, whatever adjective you want to use for the NBA restart to kick off, for the NBA restart to tip off this weekend. Cannot wait. So give us a five-star review. Join us back each and every day as we discuss more around the Wizards here on Locked On Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. You're listening to the Locked On Podcast Network. Hope you have a good one. And I hope you have a good one. Washington out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.